Welcome to TCI Transmissions, an experimental sounds cape of things that sound nice and might help you make other things. In this episode, Creative Content Director of TCI, Willa Kerner talks to Hudson Basilica's Melissa off to Mar about leaving a career in music and her life in New York City to move to the riverside city of Hudson, New York. They discuss starting a creative space in a huge old industrial factory and learning how to use her platform to help build a community that benefits everyone. I started my adult life as a bass player. I played bass in First the band Hole, then as I left Hole, I did a farewell global chapter with um, the Smashing Pumpkins. And then after that stint, I made two solo records. So I basically had a 15 solid year music career. And then I, in the last 10 years, I became a mother and needed to get off the road was willing to stop playing music because I've played music since I was six years old. And I am now co-founder of Basilica Hudson, director of the operation, which is a reclaimed 1880s factory in Hudson, New York, um, aiming to be a platform for innovative voices and independent voices and connecting arts, culture, humans and the question of sustainable existence and uh, coexistence um, off the beaten track on the fringe of uh, not large cities because I believe the future of the world lies in small cities and small uh, operations that can be in tune with their local community, local issues and uh, I have found more and more in the last uh, 10 years of living in a small city and 8 years of having this arts and culture center that I really just work on the three blocks that I live in. And that's pretty much what I do with my day-to-day life. And as the national and global shit gets weirder and more hard to imagine the resolve and um, uh, fix, the more concentrated and committed I am to the three blocks that I live in. The Central Muse is the 1880s uh, former forge and foundry of steel railway wheels was the initial um, uh, operation, but it had many, many boom and bust uh, things that went in and out. So it looks like an old uh, ancient church or an old industrial era factory. And the building itself is so, so glorious and so impressive. Most of these buildings have either fallen apart or been knocked down. So it's a incredibly beautiful building with the backdrop of the Hudson River painter skies, the Catskill Mountains, the Hudson River, and a lot of industrial derelict, you know, abandoned world feel. Uh, And in that, I feel like we're in a cross-section of urban, industrial, and rural And when those three worlds collide, it's as if, you know, with the natural beauty of all these, like, epic mountains and sunsets and rivers that have been part of our American history, that in that we have all that man has done in its attempt to interface with the surface of the planet. 
both the location and the lost era of industrial failure inform what happens in the building and informs um, the always evolving program that happens where we're trying to have a little bit of all humanity in one gathering place um, and it evolves with time like it's uh, we started it with the focus on film and music because I'm a musician and Tony my husband and co-founder is a filmmaker and we had no money to run the program which had this cool building Can you take me through maybe like year one of starting oh, Basilica? Oh, sick. Like when you first... Actually, year one was sweet because it was small enough that it was... Uh, well, so fun. what happened was that the crazy, uh, the crazy and inspired man who took over that building the year 2000 when it was a frozen in time glue factory, we met him when we first moved here. He was uh, about 10, 20 years, 10 years older than us or something. And he had seen the, the potential of it. And he had been having this really interesting kind of new agey, he's sort of like Burning Man generation before events mixed with um, a vision for a community space outside of cities. Uh, and so he had, he had done a ton of work on that place and that he had gutted out a glue factory it took him two years just to empty it out so when we met him because we see the building from our house uh we met him and we offered you know if you ever want to do things there we'd be happy to do some film screenings some music shows tony ended up shooting some things in the space because it's so beautiful i ended up rehearsing for a tour in one of the spaces and then next thing you know he still owns the mortgage today and he asked us gave it to us basically made us an offer we couldn't refuse which is telling us he thought we were young enough <laughs> uh, or something to like why don't you guys take this over totally crazy idea i mean i still actually am kind of there's like a blind spot in my mind of where how that ended up be other than the building was so unbelievably beautiful and we were absolutely living here we bought a house here that, that seemed like a destined calling that's all i can describe it as because it was again not logically didn't fit with any plan i or tony had ever had um so the first year was 2000 well the first year was parallel to my pregnancy so it was also that we were getting ready to sell down i had a, i was pregnant we started the basilica um we acquired the building during the entire pregnancy was a renovation Actually, the spring of 2011, which is when River was born in the fall of 2011. So 2011 was our first full program year. We opened with, um, uh, it kind of, we needed like a, an event kickoff idea. And it was uh, Will Oldham doing an audio, a, a reading of local Hudson infamous hero, Rudy Wurlitzer, uh, screenwriter, author, incredible man of, um, of, uh, I mean, he's, he's an icon in his own realm of the, the Dennis Hopper world. He wrote Tulane Blacktop. And his wife, Lynn Davis, is legendary photographer who her and Patti Smith were the, sort of, were the, the, in, the caretakers of the Maplethorpe um, estate. And she's a remarkable uh, photographer. And they were part of the first wave of uh, New York City exodus, you know, loft buyouts, moved to Hudson, buy a crazy old house. So when we moved here, they were sort of our, our, our mentor. Just they moved here to make 
more time and space for their work and lives and were very supportive of what we were doing. And Rudy Wurlitzer, they put out um, an audio book of one of his incredible, incredible uh, books called Slow Fade and a really cool label, Drag City, out of Chicago, where releasing it as a, it was, they were sort of like reissuing a beautiful forgotten book and Will Oldham was reading it. So we just hooked it up of like, why don't we do our inaugural event with this interesting book reading, which is an example of like, we want to connect film and, and music and, and literature in one opening event. How do you feel like, you know, you started growing the space and then maturing yeah. it? How did you see that kind of movement from table yeah, to mouth, hey, yes, hand to mouth then, like then to this, this thing that feels you know at this point at it's, this yeah so i'm at the other side of the epic like we're this is our eighth season things are this is me sitting here with you before godspeed never happened before i have never ever not been at a sound check production setup ever in our eight years well, so thank you <laughs> this is the turning point um so it all started uh Two years ago, everyone, it was really, really difficult. A, mainly, it wasn't that the Basilica was difficult. It was that having a baby and having Basilica at the same time was, like, the worst decision of, like, not anyone who's had a child will agree those first few years is you had, it's your hit over the head. You had no idea that it would be such a transformation and such a radical, um, I mean, it's just change total total change and you're falling through the hands of time understanding humanity in a way that you never understood it before and the relationships go through all this crazy stuff so the fact that we're growing basilica while growing our daughter river and the vulnerability of both after being lifetimes of people who are definitely like collaborators we collaborate with people i don't play music alone i don't play bass alone in my room i play with people i've always been a collaborator but the vulnerability of both of those collaborations at the same time was um, uh, hands down the most vulnerable time I've ever had in my whole life as far as I know. And I've gone through death and pain and, and you know, obviously in the realm of just uh, a very, very lucky life. I've seen darkness. I've seen despair. I've seen, uh, you know, but this kind of just vulnerability of um, essentially not knowing how to do it <laughs> at all. No, I mean, it's just, and having other people being at the other side of it, of you must deliver mother mothering, you must deliver a, a partner, and you also are doing strange public events and trying to listen to a place that you live in that has a population of 6,000 people that are as diverse as this country itself in trying to not do the wrong thing and in, in leaving anyone out, not, you know, there's blind spots everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, and small towns also never lived in one, had no idea what that small town drama was like until I lived in Hudson, New York, as far as like, you know, your neighbors, you see them all around, but you don't really know each other. You don't, you, there's a sense of closeness. There's a sense of like, responsibility to one another but also a deep deep drama that happens within and it's definitely like I mean I, the only experience I guess I can ever compare it to is whatever like school as a child you're trying to like coexist in this thing it's like being in a small yeah. <laughs> ecosystem so I thought I'd been in bands but I did not know what 
dealing with a local government of the type that it was when we first arrived here. What a lot of, um, you know, I think people go to small towns for either peace and isolation or to be very involved. Can you describe a little bit, I'm, I'm curious about the tension of dealing with the city of Hudson, but yeah. also you've managed to navigate it and it seems like the space has really clicked in to a groove and you've kind of got something yeah. figured out at this point. We are point. clicked in a little bit. Of, uh, actually, the big click-in happened kind of like the tipping point when day-to-day -day operations were really, really impossible for five years and I had a very small child, so that was really just nothing but challenge. And, and then... At a certain point, I understood something about business, which I had never known because I had never run a business. Making records and going on tour with Faye, especially my type, I was not. I mean, I like still don't have unpaid German royalties. Like I do, did not do good business for myself. I was a very, very hands-off musician. So I, if I had had a company, I would not have hired me. Now I would, I would because I learned the hard way. And I also learned the hard way while I was in all those bands too. I just came out on the bottom every single time because I don't like money and I don't pay attention to it. And so we had to get very real in that way. And when I understood something about business, which is that you need to outsource specific things that I'm not good at. So I spent all of last year being an advocate for the creative economy to the state of New York. And that's when everything got really nuts and different because that's when I um, realized like, oh great, I thought it was hard to run a business. Now I have to understand that we have to actually make impact on how towns are being developed in the future. So I've learned a lot about just municipal politics and state politics, county politics, and small town politics is mainly just whoever's father's friends and whatever were serving before so that is really hard to navigate through in terms of planning and long-term goals because nobody is looking long-term and no one does have experience in urban design urban development city planning you know, I mean, just in this community in particular, because it's so diverse in its its actual uh, demographic, it's very hard to get on the same page. So that got really, really tricky. Can you talk a little bit more just about the city of Hudson and about what you see going on here kind of yeah. broadly for anybody who doesn't really know? Yeah, so the, I mean, what's amazing about the city of Hudson, it's two square miles, it's 10 blocks by 10 blocks, population 6,000 people. Imagine 10 blocks by 10 blocks of some of the nicest or half decrepit, half nice East Village, West Village plopped onto the Hudson River and then surrounded by a slice of strip malls by the neighboring municipality and then a lot of rural. Uh, and then within it, it's a very unique population of, uh, of radically diverse um, demographic, not common in small towns in upstate New York. Big cities like Albany, Poughkeepsie, cities in upstate New York, because that's the difference is that Hudson is a city, but the size of a town. So cities in upstate New York 
have a lot of poverty, a lot of subsidized state housing, a lot of crises, a lot of violence. Um, small towns generally here are a little bit more uh, sleepy and and generic in their like not diverse. So what's interesting about Hudson is it's all that diversity that is America in the tiniest um, lot. And so there's an interesting evolution too, because it's like old, old Hudson families, which are at this point the smallest population here, because most of them have cashed out or moved out in the last two, three, four decades, because it got so, um, I mean, like at one point there was only 2,000 people in Hudson in the 70s and 80s when essentially it was a ghost town. and the uh, urban renewal, st New York State urban renewal, which created all these subsidized housing towers, uh, plopped itself in Hudson like it did in every other you know, major city in this country and in New York City. Um, so in this tiny block, uh, like grid, uh, and then prior to that, there was still a booming manufacturing in the 50s and 60s. So before things really collapsed, there was still manufacturing. How have you sort of figured out how to be an agent of change? Like, what levers have you figured out? I, we honestly do keep, not that we keep to ourselves because it is a public venue, but we have not gone guns blazing swinging with answers because there is no answers. There is so much challenge here that is not going to come from individual uh, small artistic projects, but there are ways where we can hope and inspire programs that the city of Hudson themselves have to initiate. Hudson, New York is one of the highest per capita unemployed uh, in the state. So Hudson, New York has not been taking care of its population if they can't help 30% get out of poverty. So Hudson, New York's government needs to be reformed, but it's been a slow reform. I've only, you know, like I said, I've been here 10 years. I knew about so the 10 years prior to that by the, the friends I made when I first moved here. So we can't do anything but slowly reform the government and make connections with our neighbors, try to be a, a gateway to the many different things happening here. Have we done it perfectly? Absolutely not. So our wedding business, as much as I often bitch about it, we are creating economic impact. Anyone who's going into a coffee shop, so if, you know, so it's this weird new for me because I've been an anti-money person, an interesting new language is economic stimulus, economic impact is the big thing. So if, uh, if Basilica brings 40,000 people to Hudson, New York every year, that's economic impact. It's also confusing for people too, because some people like tourists coming here don't, not everyone benefits from that and, and housing. So that this has been the new tipping conflict slash us trying to get more involved in local politics and planning is that the housing market's insane. Uh, it's going bonkers, so it's too expensive. So the fast gentrification, bad things are happening. The display, people not being able to afford, the taxes are going nuts. So there's some very, very tough things that we alone cannot change, but we certainly can demand that we all vote, get great electable people. Hudson, if I know one thing about the bad national election that happened is Hudson and the ups, upstate New York in general is activating in the way that you would hope, uh, you know, and that is across the country. But all I know is right here is 
the amount of new and engaged non-politicians getting into politics is very real, very, very good, and we have a fully reformed government after a, a decade locked of Republican, uh, essentially people who were not helping the issues that this city had, which was no future economy and no plan for it. And uh, lots of uh, racism and bigotism and uh, some unpleasant things that have been changing. Can you talk a little bit too about how you feel like uh, running Basilica has given you a platform and you've been able to, or what you'd like to do with yeah. it, um, to kind of you know, work on some of those issues? Yeah, I mean, yeah, working on it every day, trying to, every day I try to think of a new way that we can create a platform for these issues. Um, I just came back from Scandinavia. I experiencing a heat wave in a place that's never had heat and hearing what's happening in all the neighboring countries. Climate change is real. We've been focused on environmental things up here. Hudson Valley is the birthplace of the environmental movement. So, for example, coming home there, uh, from there in the past 24 hours, all I'm thinking about, because like I said, I've been focusing on the, la on the three blocks I've been living on. The environmental movement is amazing here. It's very, very focused on the Hudson River because they, too, are focusing on the three blocks they live on. They can't fix China's, you know, <laughs> coal problem right now. We can try to get the PCBs out of the river. We can try to deal with the fact that these bomb trains, the crude oil being transported on the Hudson River. So we can participate in that way, and we do. It's hard to imagine how we can all engage together and work together for, but like with music and art, we bring solace to each other. With music and art, we could bring lots of change and plans together. So how, but you need to start the conversation and stimulate um, you know, and I think that the, for the past 10 years, especially like, you know, gentrification is often associated to arty things. And there's been a, a really painful shame in uh, arts being a luxury for uh, the, the privileged people. And I, I, of course, even myself in a small city like Hudson, because not everybody does have the luxury to, you know, think about avant-garde music and art. So it's been very, very confusing because... I deeply believe, having grown up in a social, uh, socialist country that supports the arts, that that is what makes change and helps people be empowered to make change and to create change and to create community. And this country, in its pol like polarized politics, is getting gross. It's so scary. And also, with the corporate psycho stuff that just ruins music and ruins art, so the industries that ruin all these things... Um, have made art a dirty fucking word, just like they've made music and films a fucking pop culture piece of shit. So I need to figure out how to fix our planet and reclaim art, that art is actually about communicating and cre creating togetherness. And it is tragic that that narrative has turned into, in the, in the liberal bubble, at least in the round here, because when, of course, there's no, you know, who has the luxury of art if you can barely eat? I understand that. But somewhere in there, we will build community so we can actually elect a fucking good person who will try to create a program to help that person eat. Mm -hmm. We're not going to create that out of a f bunch of 
political hateful debates. We're going to create that out of like creating space that people want to be in. Right. So that's, you know, that's, I guess, how we're hoping to lubricate togetherness to address real issues. But it can't be political forms in the way that we know it because that is generally polarizing and hateful. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's something, there's a really interesting lesson here. And when, when you talk about the scale of Hudson, yeah, living it is in the a, scale. Yeah. A three block doable. Radius, you have this kind of like, and that is what center. has hooked us to Hudson and to Basilica was that we saw there was a manageable scale and it is hard every day you know hope is something I was born with and I very much have it in every environment I've been in you know the two bands I was in there was a lot of uh, addiction a lot of pain a lot of death a lot of dark darkness and I am not a drug addict I am not depressed I am not I do not know doom I only know hope because I believe so much in humans and our ability to be together and to make things better than when they're bad. (laughs) When we saw that impact can be made that was bringing, well, creating something, not taking away, creating something, of course we have to do it mindfully and carefully and make sure that we don't, you know, be directly someone who's like pushing somebody out of where they live. Like, of course we're not going to, and we are so tuned into the challenges of this little city. And we hope that we make ourselves available and accessible. I mean, I, I, every side, I can't walk up half a block without talking to someone who lives in Hudson. So we're very, I'm at all the local meetings. I mean, I'm, accessible so we try to hear and figure out what that space can do to help but what's great about being a nonprofit is you really can't be that political and crazy you actually like there's like one law which is you can't support political candidates and but you can make yourself available for people to speak uh so it's greater so in some ways are protected a little bit by our mission, which is being a place for human gathering and expressing opinions. And, you know, I, I mean, so the challenge has been how do we do like really mindful, sustainable community building while not being outright political activists? So I guess it's like, you know, with all this struggle in this country and with the rise of all these hateful device, divisive things, it's wondering how can we protect not being part of that while trying to change that and be part of it. It's very tricky. I, I guess I'm curious about two more things. One is um, if you imagined, you know, five or ten years yeah. from now for both Basilica and Hudson, mm-hmm. what do you hope to see? Um, well, I hate it when I hear people say, like, gentrification is inevitable. Change and development is inevitable. It is constant and is going on everywhere all the time. Mindful development, keeping an eye on mom and pop, like individual focused, whether it's a fancy restaurant or a nonprofit political group, we must work together. And we can. It has not been easy because most of us are running our own tiny little microcosm in this like tiny little town where everyone's just spending for their own like daily because everyone here, not many people are here for profit. Most people are here to create a unique new life for themselves and be engaged in their community. No one's a master at it, but so if each one of us starts, so the goal in the past year has been how do can we work better together as small nonprofits, 
food and you know like the kind of tourism components, the retail people, the other non uh, the other uh, nonprofits all together leveraging one another to figure out how to tackle unemployment here, figure out um, what are the next big projects for the next two years with us is figuring out a job training um, program uh, to build the future uh, workforce for all these entities locally. So figuring out a job training program in the creative economies. Mm -hmm. So as I went through the state government last year, being trying to be a spokesperson for creative economies, I learned just how amazingly, like whether it's a farmer, a ceramicist, a restaurant, a, these are all creative economies that are building up almost 50% of the economy of upstate New York, none of which have been banned together in any way because they're all individual, tiny projects. So I've been very active in a state, upstate-wide um, creative economy group called an alliance for the creative economy that can create a network to learn from each other, help from each other, but mainly connect each other. So that's been a state and regional area like wide, and I go, I learn from that, and then I come to Hudson trying to figure out how we can do that locally because we're not, we're, we're getting better since the local elect, elected officials have become more representative of the actual city. So there are gay people, black people, there are people who have never been in politics, there are artists, there's like an actual diverse elected body, so it's really exciting so now we just have to work together and so jobs for locals in a well motherfucking developed town for sustainable you know for climate change for for the people and for not gross rich and corporate desires that's as good as we can do i hope we can do it i feel pretty good about it yeah, that's the next five to good. ten years. For somebody who would be, you know, is hoping to do something, yeah. um, launch their own thing, kind of take on, yeah. take on government, do yeah. something that makes positive change, but is feeling overwhelmed. Yes, terrifying. What, what advice do you have for them? It's unfortunately just like when people used to ask me that when I was in bands. It's just fucking do it. You have no, there's no template. You doing, not doing it is the worst thing you can do. So you just do and do and do. If you're not cut out to be doing, doing your own thing, find a, another group that's doing it and help them. <laughs> like, just do it. The, the, you know, there's, I would just urge everyone to try to, and you just, the main thing is be realistic of the fact that it's hard, hard, hard work if you want to make change and make sustainable plans. Like, Know who you are and know what you're good at and do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And make mistakes everywhere so you realize like, oh, actually, I wasn't really good at that, which is what happened to me halfway through Basilica. But what's interesting is now that I did figure out how to allocate certain things to people that are better at it than I am, and I didn't, because I didn't even know it existed. I didn't even know that system existed to file fucking papers. Didn't know that existed. I've never done it. But I'd say no matter what, do not be lazy do something every day all the time <laughs> that's my my hope it's it because we're gonna we got a lot of work ahead of us and make kids that do the same <laughs> the transmission is now over basilica soundscape 2018 co-presented by tci happens on september 14th 
If you want to learn more about Basilica Hudson or TCA transmissions please visit us at thecreativeindependent.com. Signing off.